selling smoothies is what I do. But for small business insurance, I chose my State Farm agent. He's a small business owner, too, so he knew how to help me personalize my policies. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to an agent today. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Road to World Football Show. I am Patrick Darty, joined this Thursday by Mr. Denny Carter and Kyle Dvorak, where we are going to break down the conference championship round, including the Chiefs at Baltimore. Uh, you don't hear at very much for the Chiefs in the playoffs. They're four-point underdogs. I find that a little surprising. We'll get to that a little bit later. Uh, the Lions at the 49ers, they're touchdown underdogs. I find that a little bit surprising, too, after the 49ers did everything in their power to lose to the Green Bay Packers. But we'll get to that if we talk about the coaches with Jim Harbaugh has ended his like long hike out of Michigan. Basically in October, he's like, oh, I'm going to the NFL guys. Yes. <laughs> like couldn't come out and quite say it, but uh, man, he quit. He didn't quit on the team. I guess he didn't quit on the team, but he got suspended twice. And then it was like, yeah, I'm going to the NFL. And like kind of like looked really checked out on the sidelines. And then uh, I'm looking it up here. Won a national championship. <laughs> yeah. Pretty good outcome for the most checked out coaching season I've ever seen. Uh, Harbaugh to the chargers, Dave Canales. Uh, the offensive coordinator for the Bucks uh, was he on the Rams or Seahawks staff before Kyle? Seahawks, uh, Seahawks, fast riser, uh, really surprising hire in Carolina. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, but you know, this is a podcast. We got a riff, quote unquote, off the top. And uh, I'm just, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to try to entrap you guys into saying something controversial. I'm not going to bring up Brock Purdy being a finalist for the MVP. What do you think of that? Um, <laughs> uh, you got, you got something to say about Brock Purdy? Just come out and say it to his face. Right? Well, we can't as a as a nation, we can't have this happen. I mean, it, 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 I know we're we're hanging on by a thread from just coming coming apart as a country, and I believe that this would this would push us over the edge. It actually and I, would, and I, I'm begging the uh, the the folks who vote for MVP. I'm begging you to consider the health and and, and long term existence of the United States in uh, measuring Brock Purdy as the MVP, which is honestly pretty funny. If we're talking about entrapment of our words, what's worse? Brock Purdy making the MVP. I'm just posing the question to you guys: making the MVP ballot or Patrick Mahomes not making the ballot? Like he wasn't oh, the top five. Like I think they yeah. can still be voted for. Like I get that this wasn't his best season, but like use your little brain. Who do you think the most valuable players <laughs> in the NFL are? Name one, and you've done it. You've almost certainly named Patrick Mahomes. That is what used to be known in, the, in baseball as Mike Trout syndrome, where you couldn't mm, yeah, get yeah. MVP every single year. Or like you know, Michael Jordan, like quite frequently did not win the MVP. Yeah, how? <laughs> LeBron. Yeah, James I mean, LeBron quite yeah, LeBron frequently too, did not win the MVP. I'm sure even some years, like Wayne Gretzky, probably lost it to like a defenseman or something. <laughs> um, yeah, the blue liner. He sets the tone back on the blue line. Yeah, he's an enforcer type, uh, and they're yeah. like, you gotta give it to him. He's Gretzky jaws this year. Gretzky's all finesse. And like I guess 220 <laughs> points this year. I feel like he should probably be the MVP. So I, I, I do I do think we have been saved both as a football community and a country because 
uh, when Brock Purdy absolutely fell to pieces against the Ravens and Lamar Jackson went berserk against the Niners on Christmas Day. That ended the conversation, and well, rightfully so. There, there is no conversation after that. So I'm tired of all the Brock Purdy hate. He is by far one of the five best players on the San Francisco 49ers, uh, and, sure. you know, and only, you know, and that's only probably. He's he's probably at least one of the seven or eight best players in the 49ers. Nah, if you include top 15, he's, he's we're sure of that. Absolutely, you can rope you can rope him into that. He's he's top three in the NFC West. Okay. You know, you know, kidding aside, it is great when there are players that break our brains. Uh, yeah. Like sports would be really boring if, like, there wasn't like this huge disconnect uh, between like modeling and like oh, the yeah. eye test and all that. Right. Like, yeah. Every year, uh, yeah, Brock Purdy at like twenty thirty six. Ah, he's not going to make the top five this year. Finally, and he does. Uh, it is yeah, like everyone's like, is. "Oh, great, we're doing Brock Purdy discourse again. This sucks. I can't believe we're doing this." You know, back in the recesses of your cold, depleted heart, this is exactly what you'd love to be doing. Like, if we knew everything, if like all the good quarterbacks look good on film, look good uh, yeah. in the stats, it would not be nearly as fun. Maybe it'd be healthier for us, but you don't want that. I we a 40, need you on that discourse. I have a 49ers fan who's followed me for a long time who always tweets at me like, why can't you just enjoy the literal last pick of the draft being good? <laughs> <laughs> and there's no good retort to it. Like, well, you know. Well, no, he can't be good. He was the last pick. <laughs> He's uh, with my relationship with my father. Let me take you back to my childhood days about why I can't enjoy things. <laughs> he tries it, it to is, be so logical. He's like, can't you just enjoy it? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, it no, is no, funny you know, when 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 fans will actually come to you online and say listen like you're driving yourself crazy with like <laughs> hating my team can you just not hate my team like like there's nothing to hate about my team and you know the answer is no i will not i will not, not but they but they do occasionally they will come to you and be like look i like you i've listened to you for a long time i think i know you a little bit okay and i'm asking you to take a chill pill and <laughs> And, and almost always they're wrong. Sometimes they're right. I think with Brock Purdy, they are right. And we will talk about Brock Purdy a lot more a little bit later in the show. But we will start with Jim Harbaugh, the prodigal son, returning to the NFL. He's always returning somewhere, returning yes. to Michigan, returning to college. Now he's back in the pros after one of the most successful four-year coaching stints we've ever seen, where he took like a 6-10 and 10 awful roster, immediately made the NFC Championship game, made the NFC Championship game three of four years he was in San Francisco. He wore out his welcome very, very quickly. But there's some debate over what really happened there. If he wore out his welcome with the team, or if he just wore out his welcome with Trent Balky, who, as we know, is one of the more controversial GMs in the NFL. Uh, Denny, it, it's really hard. He's over 60. He's been out of the league 10 years. I guess that's a concern. I think it's kind of hard to nitpick this hire, and that it is a home run hire for the Chargers. You before weren't quite as sure – uh, what do you think about Jim Harbaugh coming back to the NFL and the Chargers specifically? Jim Harbaugh is going uh, to have to change like that. That That is absolutely the case. Like, it, And if he's willing uh, to evolve and to operate differently than he did with the Niners a decade plus ago, uh, then I think I think they they can be successful because I think, you know, generally he's a, he's a good team manager. Uh, he's a good organizer. If he delegates to maybe more forward-minded, you know, play callers, perhaps I think that that they they can get it done. Now, real quick, if you don't mind, I, I actually looked up how his offenses. You know, primarily we're concerned about uh, fantasy stuff here. No, so we, yeah, we don't care about the other stuff. I mean, so uh, mm -hmm. you know, Niners defense along with the Seahawks 
one of the uh, elite defense of the 2010s. Uh, but the the offense, the offense is going to have to change. Now, I know they had Kaepernick. I know Kaepernick was a mobile quarterback and everything, and that's how it goes with dual-threat quarterbacks. But in 2012, the Jim Harbaugh Niners were 31st in pass attempts. In 2013, they were 32nd in pass attempts. 2014, 30th in pass attempts. Uh, and from 2012 to 2014, they were middling in both rush EPA and pass EPA. So this whole thing where Jim Harbaugh can get away with it uh, with defense, I don't think is, is is any longer true. I think that he's going to have to really change the way he approaches, especially the offensive side of the ball. I think the Harbaugh plan is to just be like the best teacher there is, which I think his, the 49ers teams were like maybe the most fundamentally sound football teams I'd ever seen under Jim Harbaugh, minus like the Colin Kaepernick clock issues. They always had infamously had clock issues and getting the snap off in time. But like they came in that first and like, I was like, wow, the 49ers don't miss tackles. Yeah. Uh, like I right. feel like that is kind of the Jim Harbaugh effect. I, I, I it's not just with the 49ers, the conservatism on offense. And I mean, we watched a lot of really big Michigan football games and like, I don't maybe let JJ McCarthy throw one pass yes. longer than seven yards. And Kyle, do you share Denny's um, not pessimism, but Denny's belief that he has to evolve and a lot has changed in the NFL in the past 10 years. Yeah, for sure. But I, I do think to your point, like it's underrated how good of a coach he was in the NFL. Obviously his teams had talent too, but like you said, he picked up a team that it's not like he walked into a system that was just ready for him to start ripping off NFC championships. He deserves a lot of credit for that. He is, it's like a, a relatively low limit of games you set for it, but he is the fifth winningest coach all time in terms of win percentage ahead of his brother, John, who is the second highest or second longest tenured coach currently in the, in the NFL. Makes John look like a plumber. Yeah, I know. He makes John look like a plumber and John's one of the best coaches in the NFL. So he, I mean, those teams were incredible. I don't, you said three NFC championships kind of three in a row. That's like three or four years. Yeah. And crazy. there were it's no normal. expectations. I mean, Alec, people had given up on Alex Smith. Yeah. Like it was really through sheer force of like organization and teaching that he pulled this off, which that's always a tough, like we're going to out coach him. We're going to out fundamental them. That's, that is hard to pull off, but he did pull. They had a lot of talent. A little guy, a man by the name of Patrick Willis comes to mind. Uh, A lot of really, really, really like hall of fame level players on those teams, uh, but they weren't performing well before he got there. And uh, yeah, I don't know where we're going with this. I I do have something to throw in here about Jim Harbaugh's offensive situation here. Uh, Last year at Michigan. Now I don't have access to like fancy pass rate over expected stuff from college. I do have this. Um, the the Michigan Wolverines were 117th out of 133 qualifying offenses in pass rate. 40% pass rate last year. Like you mentioned, Pat, sometimes you would see J.J. McCarthy not drop back for like an entire quarter. Um, <laughs> That's not even a joke. Like, no, it's, no, it's, it's real. Uh, so now, you know, obviously with Justin Herbert, obviously with the pass heavy, we are the pass happy nature of the modern NFL like that's got to, if that doesn't change, I really think if that doesn't change like dramatically, it's going to be a disaster for Jim. Harbaugh. Kyle, by the way, uh, are you triggered? Uh, Ohio state couldn't beat him. Um, so they, yeah, they had to run him out of college. They had to run Harbaugh back to the NFL. Like, they got, <laughs> Ohio State's got, I assume we have a winning record against him. Ohio state's got so much NIL money. They paid Harbaugh to go back to the pros. That's what I heard. Kyle has <laughs> never been more mad in his life. I assume we still have a winning record against him. I'd imagine. Oh, you definitely do. I think he's like three and six against Ohio oh. State. But they all. I was gonna say. I, I know, like, obviously, 
their teams are just straight up better than Ohio State for the past two years. But I think we like curb stomped the mess out of them for like ten years. So you don't, you know, who's uh not mad at all is Ryan Day. He's the least not. He's the most not mad person about. I'm not. not mad. I'm not mad at all. Uh, my beard is my beard is not eerily black. I'm oh, sorry. Oh, stunningly, it's like there are like scientists developing like black paints that absorb like 99.99 percent of life. He is covered in that on his chin. It is as black. <laughs> it is off-puttingly black. It is it's too much, Ryan. If you're listening, you just gotta let it go, man. You gotta let it let, go. Let that, let, let that gray come through. So, Kyle, you were side saying. tangent. I saw I saw someone list uh like the all-star team for Nick Saban. Like, what were the best players all on the team? Uh, that he's you know he's ever coached and I was like dude Ohio like Ryan Day's Ohio State all-star team might be better than that team and yet wow. somehow no no natties for us and Saban has like nine like not that his team's obviously like he had like Julio Jones and Mari Cooper Devonta Smith as his receivers but like you look at the receivers we've had I don't know I don't Julio Jones is great I don't know if we're gonna stack up to that but some like generation like Martin Harris is gonna be a generational prospect like Jamar Chase level stuff Chris Olave Garrett Wilson like all these guys good quarterbacks no natties. Where are my natties? Well, Kyle, I think a point you're making, Ryan Day is a good coach, but like it's still coaching is like the actual art of coaching is probably still underrated. And like being a CEO is great. Being like an amazing play caller. Like Jim Harbaugh is clearly an amazing teacher of the game of football. Uh, real quick though. So we we're talking about the hugely uh, conservative nature of Jim Harbaugh's offenses uh, that's been a growing complaint with Justin Herbert. You know, he doesn't throw down the field enough. It's always around seven yards per attempt. What does this really, what does this do for Justin Herbert? And we're, we're not getting Herbert unleashed. I think we know that. But like, can he make up for it with efficiency and is like a better overall team environment? Like what is the future for Justin, the immediate future for Justin Herbert in fantasy? Our, our buddy uh, Davis Maddock tweeted this out the other day uh, that's, uh, Justin Herbert is tied with Geno Smith, Andy Dalton, and Derek Carr among active players in yards uh, per pass attempt. That's uh, not great. Okay. So 7.1, like you mentioned, Pat. Uh, Herbert was 15th in adjusted yards per attempt in 2023, 17th in that category in 2022, 10th in 2021, and 15th in 2020. It's clear that they're that he it's a him thing. Like, like they they brought it, they've done different offenses, they brought in different players. It Joe is, Lombardi. Yes, it's a it right. It's a him thing, and I don't think that that's going to change here. Now he he by many metrics, including like uh, catchable ball rate and on target rate, like he's elite and avoiding at avoiding sacks, which obviously we know is very important and keeping drives on time, scoring points, things of that nature. Justin Herbert is good in that way, but with Jim, you're right though. The Jim Harbaugh hire tells me that the checking down will not. Uh, we'll continue until morale improves. I guess the hope is, though, that it's all this better sequenced and better organized. They do a better job of like pick, pick taking their shots. And I don't think he can get more conservative than he already has been. I mean, let's go like, back to Oregon with Justin Herbert. He, by the way, that was he doesn't. He he doesn't look down. He doesn't look downfield. And and I I don't know if that's just lack of options. Like I know that like the old, the entire organization collapses every time Mike Williams hurts his knee. Yeah. But you know, but you know, you gotta you gotta have a more resilient roster, and you have to have like they what here's what they do. The Chargers need to bring in Joe Flacco and say Flacco, Joe, I need you to sit down with our guy Justin and tell him that it's okay to throw into coverage 50 yards downfield. You can do it. It's okay. It will work out sometimes. Sometimes it won't, but sometimes it will, and that's important. The NFL needed that Flacco wake-up call. Like, There's more than one way to gain yards. And guess what? Terry Bradshaw spent the entire 1970s throwing a million interceptions. 
And guess mm-hmm. what he did? He won four Super Bowls. Like there are oh, more than. Just, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. What? What? Wait a second. Terry Bradshaw I, had more picks than touchdowns. I think like at half the years in his career. It's yeah. No, I, I I actually had to. Unfortunately, I had to have a conversation online the other day on the Threads platform <sighs> where people were telling me that Terry Bradshaw was better than Dan Marino. Oh yeah, yikes! That's because pretty, because even, Ringo even era adjusted, there's no argument there. No. <laughs> what are you talking about? I said Bradshaw's not a top fifty quarterback all time. Yeah, not, 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 no, 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 no. There's no argument. Stop. Hold on. I was on the Kevin Clark podcast name dropping the other day, and we were talking about how uh, you know there used to be some, he he was talking about he I don't know if he quite finished the point, but there was a time in like NFL football. Or they would like throw the ball and really not even have an intended target in mind. They would just kind of throw it down the field and like see what happened. <laughs> and, like it's just a lot different than it used to be. Probably because they were about to get like murdered, you know, like sacked. Yes. Yeah, I'll just throw this up and see if something okay. cool happens. And you could do it because then the other side was going to do this. It's not like the other side was going to be efficient. They were just going to do the same thing too. But, you know, surely someone's down there, and they never were. No, but, um, <laughs> they never Lin Swan. Lin Swan was down there once, and we had that on. Who was that guy on the Cowboys? Like Bullet Joe or something? Um, that really, really <laughs> fast guy. Someone's gonna. We're, we're exposing ourselves as like knowing Bullet nothing for 1999. That really, really, really fast. He was a literal, literal track star. And Drew Pearson. Maybe Drew Pearson. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, uh, we'll move on from Jim Harbaugh to Dave Canales, who was the one-year, I believe, offensive coordinator of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, just this year, he replaced Byron Leftwich. That's correct. He was a, very noted for his Seahawks quarterbacks coach work with Geno Smith in 2022. He's been on Pete Carroll's staff since 2010, actually going back to USC in 2009. So he's a Pete Carroll disciple. He's only 42, Kyle. He's done a lot of good work. Everybody's been kind of behind. This was the first year, though, where it was like upfront work, like actually gradable work. And the Bucks, we expected to be a lottery team, instead had one of the better offenses, made the playoffs. Not the kind of hire I was expecting David Tepper to make. I was expecting Dave. I guess maybe it is the kind of hire I expected to make. It's this young guy who's never been a head coach before who might be easily controllable. But I thought he was going to go back to like Recycle City with his coaches. Uh, he did anything but. He's taken a big swing in Dave Canales, Kyle. What do you think of this hire? And it, limited track record, uh, but we like uh, what we have seen from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think what I expected, I'm trying to think of what I expected from Tepper. I just knew, well, I believed at least, I wasn't going to like it because I think they've been a poorly run organization ever since he bought the team. This is legitimately a good hire. I have no complaints about this. Like These are the types of guys you should be trying to hire is the sort of rising star offensive minds. I think the only other sort of option, I mean, like, Tons of teams take other options. They're de- generally bad. We just saw it with Frank Reich. But I think the only other option is to try and get the CEO type and let him continuously churn through OCs. And while that may be a problem, if he's nailing the CEO stuff, maybe that makes it worth it. This is the other more prevalent and newer path, I'd say. And so far from what we've seen from Canales, it's been really strong performances if he's the one on the field, but really strong coaching quarterback coaching performances, both in Seattle, really reviving careers of guys who were like at a crossroads of, are they a backup? Should they be in the league or are they a starter? Are they a backup? And got them over that hump and like over two humps for Geno Smith, both times with strong play calling, good weapons. Like this is, I mean, I don't want to be too dramatic about Bryce Young, but like, He's at that crossroads net. Like 
in a, in a sense, he's at that crossroads now. Maybe he gets another year anyways, but the way he played as a rookie tells me we need to see something soon or they need to go back to the draft board at quarterback. We've seen Dave Canales work the magic twice in a row. I make sense to give him a third shot, prove like how good you are at this. And he's probably going to bring a lot of his buck staff who's going to have followed him also from Seattle. Yeah. Bryce Young's basically the point, even though it's only been one year where he needed like a personal tutor type coach and like someone who wasn't just going to leave after one good year and uh, it might not work. I mean, the odds are probably that it won't work with Bryce Young. That's yep. what we saw that rookie year. But uh, if anything was going to work, this is the kind of hire that's going to work and the kind of hire they had to make to try to revive Bryce Young. And it's an absolute home run from that perspective. It is. That's a good it's, point about we don't, I we as if like I'm invested in this, but you don't want to see Bryce Young, if they hire the CEO type of a guy who like, let's say they went for a Harbaugh, you don't want them to have to continuously churn through offenses, even if one's successful, even if it's successful, you don't want him to then learn it and then have to go back to the drawing board, having only one successful year under his belt. You want that consistency of a good offense that's prevalent year in and year out if it'd been a ceo to be like we're bringing in pat Shermer, yeah offensive coordinator. <laughs> right right no no i mean i, I i'm shocked i'm shocked by this like the, like the, the panthers did something right okay for the first time in in living memory they did something right and this is you know this could i think there is like some uh <clears throat> some possibility this could go terribly wrong but but it, but also it could go uh, it could go fantastic for this organization and for bryce young Dave Canales, who, by the way, obviously works out. We get it, Dave. You don't he have to. He was it. actually he was Pete the, Carroll's strength coach. Like, like the like the the tight the tight shirts on game day. We get it, man. You're, you're you're pumping iron. I get it. You look great. Anyway, uh, uh, I mean, th- th- this is the guy who coaxed Baker Mayfield uh, to the eleventh highest drop back EPA of the of the season. Eleventh. Baker Mayfield was a punchline. You know, to, oh Kyle. So Trapp, was Geno Smith, as Kyle said. It's like yeah, astonishing. And, Exactly. And uh, uh, I mean, you look at who Baker was around here as far as EPA goes. He was uh, just behind Jalen Hurts and Tua. He was above CJ Stroud. He was above Geno Smith and Trevor Lawrence. Uh, So, I mean, that that's that's unbelievable. That's an unbelievable resume that Canales brings into Carolina. Um, someone who we probably called an unbelievable hire a year ago for the Chargers was Kellen Moore. Uh, we thought unjustly fired from the Dallas Cowboys. It was still possible it was an unjust firing, to be mm-hmm. honest. Um, but didn't have a great year with the Chargers because no one had a great year with the Chargers. He's interviewing with the Browns, but more interestingly, the Philadelphia Eagles, who are already at the, they're at the point in offense where like they're throwing Hail Marys, basically. Like Nick Sirianni's like, I know people. I, I got people I can call. And the Jeffrey Lear's like, well, you better call them. Yes, yeah. right, that's right, exactly right. how it goes. No, it really is. Like, all right, hey, hey, listen, I, I swear to God, I can get his number. I thought you said you had his number. No, I can get it. <laughs> I swear to God, I can get it. <laughs> Jeffrey Lurie just puts his hand in his face and get out of my sight. <laughs> he, he got Kellen Moore's number. They're going to interview him for offensive coordinator. I mean, do either of you have an opinion? What would Kellen Moore do to what was a moribund Philadelphia Eagles offense down the stretch? Uh. All right, English major, geez. Yeah, right. Yeah, we, we get it. You've read a book. Uh, look, I, I actually think that this whole situation is doomed. I, I'm I'm looking down because I'm actually looking for a quote that I had from Sirianni. Uh, wow, can't find it. Oh, there it is. Okay, folks, I'm going to read this to you because it's important. So talked about, you know, Brian Johnson, who who was a rising star in, in not just with the Eagles, but in the league. Okay, he's getting head coaching uh, uh, interviews. He was let go or whatever, mutual parting of ways, however they're phrasing it these days. 
Um, <laughs> so here's what Sirianni said about Brian Johnson's struggles or the offensive struggles. He said, quote, this is my offense. So the criticism on the offense, I think, unfairly goes to Brian. Brian calls the plays. Brian calls the plays. <laughs> he says that twice. It wow. unfairly, it unfairly <laughs> goes to Brian. The criticism of this offense should come at me because this is my offense. I was hired to do a job here and got hired because I was successful as an offensive coordinator with our schemes and different things. We blah blah blah. Anyway, anyway, here's what here's what that means. It's gonna happen again. Like, like this is absolutely gonna happen again. I would be, I'm trying not to overstate it. I would be surprised if Nick Sirianni lasts the entire season next year. Sirianni, I'm sure he brings some good stuff to the table. Maybe like a one-trick pony, though, whose one trick got figured out halfway through. I mean, they had so many injury issues. It's hard to say, but that was a rare type of collapse that you saw from the Eagles last year. Howie Roseman shares a lot of the blame for what happened to the defensive personnel, of course, but – Two really critical hires uh, they needed to make after Shane Steichen and Jonathan Gannon left, and I guess they didn't nail them. And just like yeah, Dan, like you said, it was that. it was he's a great front runner. He was mugging for the camera in 2022. Like, all right, we we get it. You're you're winning the football game, Nick. And then <laughs> that was the kind of stuff that, like, the second you're losing, everyone's like, get this guy off my TV. Yeah, you got. Yeah, it. he's it's like a CEO type. Like he sh- he should be like a CEO type. And that two years ago when he was good, it was really it seems like both of his coordinators were really strong coordinators. But like he also doesn't really nail the CEO stuff either. No. Like he doesn't keep the team together in that way. <laughs> he doesn't have the pipeline of coaches just lined up. Or like, like I think. If D'Amico Ryan's assuming Bobby Slowick gets uh, hired elsewhere, like he might just be able to keep hiring Shanahan tree kind of guys. Oh, like, he absolutely you know. will. Like, exactly. Shanahan like, is like, we'll print these guys for. He's like, going to print the guys out. Whereas yeah. Sirianni doesn't seem to have that sort of foresight on either side of the ball. I'll tell you what number Nick Sirianni doesn't have is Kyle Shanahan. Uh, Kyle Shanahan no. would not be letting uh, one of his assistants go there. No, and uh, also the whole plan apparently was for Sirianni to uh, cultivate coaches within the system, within within the organization, and promote from within, and get to get a little you know like uh, functionality, like long term going in in the Eagles uh, organization. That's not happening anymore. No. That has been cut out from under him for good reason. Uh, uh, I guess well, not not for good reason. It was to save his save his skin, right? And and. And so this is just, it's just inevitable next year. I, you know, this is January, so I, I get it. But next year, I believe will be just a completely wasted year for the Eagles. Just a wasted year. Just move on. It's kind of a memory hole too. Like he had to give up play calling duties in 2021. Like he's already like cycled through like all like the desperation gambits. And There's nothing really left. <laughs> There's nothing left but fire, but, but being fired. That's it. I, I do agree with the decision. I, all that being said, I've, Going to try to remain consistent. I said, it's pretty sure it's doomed, but you have to give it one. You have to make sure when a guy was that good last year, you have to make sure that like he's actually just doomed. Um, but they're probably doomed. Uh, we are doomed to not be able to finish if we don't take a quick break. We'll be right back after this. The Ohio State is looking to keep pace with the front runners in the Big Ten women's basketball standings, and they'll have a chance to do so on Thursday evening when they face Illinois. Watch the Buckeyes and Fighting Illini Showdown at 6.30 p.m. Eastern exclusively on Peacock Thursday evening. And don't forget, find all your favorite NBC Sports shows on Amazon Music. Just head to Amazon.com slash NBC Sports. Jake from State Farm here, hanging out with Mel's Mow and Grow. Mel chose State Farm for small business insurance because his local agent is a small business owner, too. So she knew how to help him personalize his policies. And now he's rolling in the green. Like a... 
Like a good neighbor? Guys, I'm trying to do the line. Oh, sorry, Jake. It's all good. Like a good neighbor? State Farm is there. Talk to an agent today. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. The promo only says Ohio State, but then I saw Kyle. I knew if I didn't say the Ohio State, you could slap the lawsuit. He would start screaming again. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, but the NIL money, they have enough to sue me for not saying it. Um, <laughs> so Kyle has been really not mad. I, I think he's never cared about the Ohio State slander, I think, until today. And, you know, Kyle is the, the crying laughing emoji. <laughs> <laughs> and, and when you use that, you've never been more mad in your life. You've never been never more mad. mad. Kyle doesn't get mad. Uh, we will move on to previewing the AFC and NFC championship games. Hosting their first AFC Championship game in franchise history is a surprising fact. The Ravens are trying to advance to their first Super Bowl in 11 years. They must surmount the mighty Chiefs, uh, Denny Carter, who, in my opinion, are surprising four-point underdogs. Not that they should be the favorite, I guess. Well, I think they should be the favorites. I think they're going to win. But uh, four points feels kind of high for me. The Ravens were severely tested by the Texans in the first half of the division round before going bulldozer mode after the break. What do the Ravens need to do? to beat the Kansas city Patrick Mahomes led chiefs. They need to not throw into the teeth of an elite secondary. And uh, I think that they're not going to do that. I I wrote in my uh, funnel defense report, which you can find on the site uh, that I, I, everything points to uh, the Ravens being ultra run heavy in this game. I think they're going to go back to the Lamar roots. And I know two weeks ago, I wrote a really, really long piece on the Ravens got to drop back and throw it. That's not happening this week. For for better or worse, it's not going. That's not going to happen unless game script goes sideways and they have to abandon abandon the run. Uh, but one one stat that, that that jumped out actually was that the Ravens are the best team in the league in running out of shotgun. Okay, it's a you know what what you do when you have Lamar Jackson and and teams are quaking at the at the prospect of him keeping it uh, going around around the end. Uh, so they're, they're the best in the league. The, the Chiefs are bottom six defending that that sort of run. So I, I just I think that everything lines up for them, for Lamar to have double-digit rushing attempts, for Gus Edwards to have double-digit. Maybe you get Justice Hill. Maybe, honestly, I know, look, Dalvin Cook, is it is what it is. Like, the guy's not what he used to be, but they seem to like him. I could see Dalvin Cook getting getting involved here if game script goes right. We'll have to talk about that when we get to the DFS section of our show <laughs> a little bit. Um, but Kyle, the, the Chiefs offense, so Danny talked about the Ravens offense, a really good breakdown of the Ravens offense. Check out the funnel report, by the way, the central reading during these playoff weeks. Uh, but Kyle, the Chiefs offense is looking increasingly back. I kind of wondered in the wild card round, were they just taking advantage of like a shell shock Dolphins team in horrible weather? Uh, but they looked just as back, I thought, against the Bills, even with Michael Hardman donating turnovers again. Uh, yeah. Gotta get this guy off the field. Um, but is this offense back enough to beat the best defense and just what has been the best overall team in football for almost all of 2023? Yeah, I mean, I try and base so much of my analysis off of like math and our understanding of the, the statistics the drive the game. The vibes. It, but man, the Mahomes playoff vibes, which are backed by math, 
are immaculate. <laughs> this guy, he's really good in the regular season. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Arguably the MVP, despite apparently not being in the top five in the MVP race or whatever. But man, when this guy gets in the playoffs, he just has another gear. In his career in the playoffs, he's averaging 0.31 EPA per play. That would have been second in the regular season this year, first last year, first the year before that. Games with over 0.5 EPA per play. He has six. Brady and Peyton Manning have a combined six. He's oh, yeah. averaging nearly twice oh, yeah. as much EPA per game, which is just the cumulative EPA, than Brady did in his career in the playoffs. Like, oh, yeah. he is, I mean, he's just another animal. And they unleash him more, both sometimes as a runner, a little bit more as a runner, but they just feel more comfortable letting him sling it in the, in the playoffs. So volume is there. The best quarterback passing the ball is there, and he's a little a little friskier as a runner. Like, I I don't know how you beat this guy in the playoffs, and I think three of those point five EPA per play, which is insane. Like that would be in uh, over the course of the season the best quarterback we've ever seen. Like talk about like Brock Purdy setting records, it would nuke Brock Purdy's numbers. Those all come against the Bills somehow, which is just so infuriating if you oh. are rooting for the Bills because he brings his A plus plus game to the Bills every single time, and uh, like. That's the only way to to beat him, really, is if he isn't the absolute hero that he is almost every single game in the playoffs. He's so good. Well, that's just to get into narrative-based analysis. That is what makes Mahomes, I feel like, so unbeatable in the playoffs. He will never make the mistake. Uh, he just will not make the mistake. I've never seen a more poised player, including Tom Brady. I'm not trying to be a prisoner of the moment, but even Tom Brady will go meltdown mode occasionally. It was pretty rare. Oh, yeah. I mean, our, our final memory of Tom Brady in New, New England was going meltdown mode against the Titans oh my in gosh. the wild card round. And th that was very rare, but it did happen to Tom Brady occasionally. Uh, it, it's going to happen to Patrick Mahomes at some point, but he's never once. Patrick Mahomes has never once, except for maybe the Bucks Super Bowl, he's never even been criticized for a playoff performance. Even the Bucks Super Bowl. Dude, he I was incredible. He's in heroic. Yeah, it was, he was like heroic, heroic, and his yeah. stupid receivers dropped so many, and his he, linemen, which to a credit were all backups, could not hold up. And honestly, I thought he played an incredible performance. You I don't get too. to see it in the stat sheet, but like he was a hero, and everyone let him down at every turn. Absolutely. <laughs> the Bengals one would be the one you point to. He didn't play his best That's game true. against the Bengals, and they lost for that reason. I did. So I guess he's done it once. Uh, <laughs> once, though. He's played like 15 games already, and he has one like even that, that Bengals game, he didn't make like the mistake, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. He's just so absurdly poised, and I understand, of course, why the Ravens are favored. They were the best team all year, and it's a home. But I mean, to me, like the the favorites in my heart are the Kansas City Chiefs, and like until they're the AFC champions, until proven otherwise. And I don't know where I'm going with that. I had some more narrative based analysis, Mahomes. You I, you well uh, mentioned in the final report. I I, I really don't see a situation where the chiefs try to be balanced or establish it against, uh, against the Ravens. I mean, the Ravens rush defense is like frightening, like, like on, on every level yards before contact after carry yards, after yards before what well, I forget which one I started with. Anyway, it's all, it's all very good. And Isaiah Pacheco's banged up has a toe. I'm not saying that that's the end of the world, but I, I, I do think this is a 40 plus drop back game for Mahomes. Um, we talk about the DFS implications of, of that, but uh, if they if they want to win, and I think they do, uh, then they are they are not going to try to like stubbornly run the ball here. The only concern I've had all year about the Ravens, and maybe with their run defense, is I thought a lot of times their defensive numbers were inflated by a really really soft schedule. Like they were kind of like the Eagles this year, 
where like like every week they're playing like DTR or like Kenny Pickett or like Will Levis. Like they had one of those like really crazy quarterback slates this year. Then one of the first real quarterbacks they played was Matthew Stafford and he lit him up, which was very surprising. They did though then return the favor against Brock Purdy. Uh, they totally shut down Trevor Lawrence. Uh, they totally shut down Tua and but, company. Um, but Stafford is better than Purdy by like a long shot. Oh so I, I <laughs> what is that? Is that a controversial statement? I don't know. I actually don't know anymore. <laughs> I have no idea. With Brock Purdy, my brain is just totally broken. So uh, it's easy to have your run defense show out when you don't even have to worry about the quarterback. Yeah, and the Chiefs, I feel like, might be emboldened in the run game after what they did last week. They 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 could start that way, sure, but they will learn the tough way that that's not going to happen. I remember the last narrative base point I wanted to make. Mahomes is always so poised. It was not a poised first half from the Ravens. It was seemed like every John Harbaugh playoff game since the Super Bowl, basically, like they're scared, like they're making like uncharacteristic mistakes. I was like, man, they're in trouble. It was you know ten ten at halftime, and then though it felt like they exercised the demons in the second half against the Texans, where. They're like, we're, they were basically like, we're not letting this happen again. Like, we are the better team. And they just blew the Texans out of the building in the second half. So I, that was a big test for the Ravens' past. So uh, Joe Thune, uh left, left tackle for the uh, – guard, 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 yeah. Sorry, left guard for the for the Chiefs uh, is dealing with some sort of injury. With chest the, uh, injury, I believe. With chest injury, right. He did not practice on Thursday – uh that that's that's huge like that it, it's Pretty it's bad. going to be it's going to be a huge factor if if he's out i really think that we have to adjust everything if if, oh. if he's out they're gonna uh, give him like a horse tranquilizer or something he's sure sure have. but i'm just saying if he is sideline i think we could have a, a situation like like the aforementioned like super bowl, bowl against yeah. him, right where where the ravens are able to get there with only rushing four right and when you're able to do that against anybody including mahomes the the task becomes much more difficult. A few other housekeeping notes. Mark Andrews is practicing in full. Kadarius Tony is practicing in full. I kind of feel like the Tony Hardman, as the world turns, it's going to be Hardman who's down this week and Tony who's up. Like, yeah, right. It's to the point with Hardman, like they have to save themselves from themselves. Like you can't even, he can't be on the 46 man roster because you're going to use him at some point if he is. And it's going to be a catastrophic error. Oh, you had an iconic Chekhov's Hardman tweet. I love that. It was very. Uh, I know that's probably not a reference a ton of people get, but like I, <laughs> the the Chekhov's gun is like, well, it's the principle. Like every story element needs to be necessary. Like, and if there's a gun and like, appears at some point in the book, like it'll it's gonna go off at some point. And yeah, I said mm-hmm. Michael Hardman was Chekhov's turnover. Like if he's in the game. Uh, the turnover is happening at some point. And then, of course, he fumbled it out of the end zone. It was great. And I mean, really, like you can't play. It. He he seriously cannot be active because you will play him if he's active and he will swing the game. Um, so with all that being said, we started getting into like kind of the DFS options there. Denny, what is what's like a Ravens X factor slash some DFS option, like kind of an X, yeah. X factor offensive player, which I'm sure it also translates to DFS. Right. So I'm, I'm thinking it's Justice Hill, uh, who over the past four games is averaging uh, a, a meager 7.1 yards per attempt. Um, really, really quite efficient. Our, our guy, Justice Hill. Uh, Gus Bus is, is obviously has, has the touchdown equity. He's going to get all the, the uh, inside the five stuff. So what can you do? Justice Hill is running more routes. I, I, I do think that, I mean, just, just look, it's a two game slate. You got to get different somewhere. You just have to. 
especially in large field stuff. So Justice Hill profiles as that. And then if you want to get really nasty, really down and dirty, Please. you go with, we go with Dalvin Cook, hoping that the Ravens just are absolutely focused on making him a thing. He ripped off he ripped off an 18 yarder last week. Uh, he, the rest I, the rest was not very good. But man, the Ravens just seem they seem super excited about Dalvin. So you know, go with maybe go with it. It's been a while since one of your DFS options made me feel physically ill. So that's actually a good it, sign. It's all and by a while. Been, I assume you mean seven days. Yeah. <laughs> but no, remember I, I had to scold him two weeks ago. Yeah, I wasn't sick enough. Right, know? I was. I said uh, Brock Wright, and you were like, no, 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 no. Uh, Brock Wright's when you got track. got sick. You must have said like Josh Reynolds or something. Like that. That's probably it. Yeah, that's probably that. <laughs> Get out! Anyone can say Josh Reynolds. Uh, <laughs> Josh Reynolds. Josh Reynolds, the most normie play of all. Time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kyle, same question for the Chiefs: uh, potential offensive X factor and DFS option. Yeah, I hope we don't see any X factors, man. Just play it straight. No, yeah, it's <laughs> X really factor is Michael Hardman fumble through the back of the end zone. Uh, and if it's not Michael Hardman fumble through the back of the end zone, it's Kadarius Tony tipped interception of which he has two this year and didn't even play late in the season. Uh, I think somehow him and you want to know like. You'd never guess in a million years who the second player who had two tipped passes into interceptions Tank Bigsby somehow. But like, what? It is. Yeah, I know. And I looked. I literally found the the film for both of them, and it is correct. Uh, you could put me on a desert island and give me yeah, a thousand no. guesses, and I would have. <laughs> yep, I know. No, it's so strange. And I found I found the the footage from both games, and it is indeed correct. The Tony ones are much more memorable. I, he's maybe he's better than Michael Harmon. Don't let us find out. Don't. don't it's, it's probably he's probably better than Michael Hardman. I really don't think we need that question answered at this point. I do think, as you alluded to, he'll probably take some of that Michael Hardman gadget player role. He has to. He has to. Uh, you got to try something other than Michael Hardman. Who do I think runs the most routes outside of the obvious plays? It's probably Justin Watson. But even Justin Watson's role has been kind of scaled back in recent weeks. In their playoffs, it's only been 55% of the routes. He's the only receiver, not named Rasheed Rice, obviously, with over half of the routes. They just clearly don't have a plan at receiver two or pass catcher three. If you obviously include Kelsey, which is fine. Just throw to Travis Kelsey and Rasheed Rice as much as you can until defense forces you absolutely forces you to do something else. And we have kind of seen that in the playoffs. So Justin Watson, like then he said, you gotta, you gotta try something different. You know, we talk about like the Chiefs have to try something different with like me versus Tony in large field tournaments. You have to try something different or you're just going to end up, you know, building literal duplicate lineups. Justin Watson's maybe that guy, but frankly, like I like Denny's Justice Hill as a flyer better than I like my own Justin Watson in this case. Um, MVS is 62 yards in the division around a second most of I was the year. Say, MVS might be second most of the year, man. I know that was a bad sign for the Bills when he caught two passes. Like, yep, it's over. Also, very much consider two tight end lineups on DraftKings. Those those get well, you guys. Someone told me to do that last week, and guess somebody <laughs> it I, didn't work one time. So much, so much money I won. Um, <laughs> it didn't work one time. We gotta you gotta x out. It actually that, did uh, work too. I think the tight ends weren't the problem. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say I think the best the lineups were, the were yeah. Kate Otten and George Kittle last week. I think. Well, you could you could have thrown Otten and Kraft in there. Man, oh, the was, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was really devoted to an awful defense last week. I'm trying to think of who it was. Oh, uh, Packers? No. No, it might have been the Packers. Uh, no, no. Who did, who did the Lions Texans? play? Uh, no. Bucks. I think I had full exposure to the Bucks defense. Oof. And we're going up. Selling smoothies is what I do. But for small business insurance, I chose my State Farm agent. 
He's a small business owner, too, so he knew how to help me personalize my policies. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to an agent today. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. We are moving on to the aforementioned Detroit Lions. Uh, pushed to the brink by the aforementioned Green Bay Packers, the 49ers are nevertheless touchdown home favorites for the NFC title game against the Lions as they try to advance to their second Super Bowl in four years, Kyle. Debo Samuel isn't practicing a road. He did return to practice on Thursday. After his divisional absence, mid-game absence, seemed to nearly cost San Francisco the game. How big of a loss would that be? And what is the 49ers' recipe against the Lions? Where They, they, they were just on – after Debo went, man, it's like they had never played football for like a quarter and a half. And they, they did recover barely. Uh, to see what, do you, what are you expecting from the 49ers against the Lions? Lots of horse tranquilizer. They are putting – Oh, yeah. Giving the man the horse medicine, and he yeah. is – probably playing return to practice suggests he is, although it is certainly still undecided. Should he not play? I think it would be not as catastrophic now with something we've talked about, Pat is when you have a week to prepare versus it happening mid game. Like we talked about this on the recap show, the mid game plan, which I don't think would have been the, we have a week to prepare plan was come out of the second half with a Juwan Jennings end around or whatever. Like I think that gets written out of the script if Debo doesn't play like some of those things get ironed out. I also think it means we see far more George Kittle and yeah, it is a big blow to the offense over the past two years, regular season. When we've seen this team without Debo, they've averaged 1.2 fewer points, a staggering 1.4 fewer yards per attempt and 26 fewer passing yards. Like they're a worse team without Debo. Those splits do also include games. Purdy didn't play. And some of those include games where they didn't have Trent Williams. That was earlier this year, I believe was the non Debo. Yeah. yeah, The non Debo games they just coincidentally overlap with the non-Trent Williams games. So it's hard to know how much those splits matter. And I I think I'm comfortable giving Kyle Shanahan enough credit to say they will have a better game plan uh, like than they did in the second half last week. If Debo doesn't play though, I kind of think he does. I think, I think the more, uh, maybe more important splits than Purdy with and without Debo, because you have the Trent Williams stuff in there is uh, how he's performed against top half secondaries versus bottom half. Folks, I looked into it, and it's in my column. If you want to check it out, it is quite quite the difference. Okay, Brock Purdy uh, goes bananas against uh, you know bottom half, particularly like bottom ten secondaries. And guess what the guess what the Lions are? They are <laughs> clearly clearly a bottom ten secondary. I, I I do think as a Brock Purdy skeptic, I'm not going to say hater. As a skeptic, um, I'm guessing that it's going to be a really really tough Sunday night for me because I think Purdy will rip. <laughs> will rip these guys up yeah. through the passing game. And and I think the, the Niners will be largely forced to take uh, that approach because the Lions are really solid against the run. I'm not saying CMC is like off the table. I am saying that they have the weapons to destroy this Detroit uh, coverage unit. So you mentioned the Lions' defensive concerns. But really, it's been the one criticism of the team all year. They have not adjusted, and they haven't even become like an opportunistic defense, really. I mean, they kind of have, but... Like when you have a bad defense, you need to be like the Sean Payton team, where you need to create like a turnover-creating defense. 
You have to be opportunistic is the euphemism we always use. And they haven't even been that, but big concerns on defense for the Lions, Denny. But on offense, I mean, how do the Lions spring this upset? Uh, even if the 49ers looked kind of vulnerable last week, it's just so difficult to believe Jared Goff is like going to have what it takes on the road. Yeah. Uh, what do the Lions have to do? Limit Jared Goff dropbacks. I mean, I, I, I'm talking like, I think you mentioned the other day, Pat, mm-hmm. on the pod, uh, like 24 Jared Goff dropbacks. I actually think that's too many. I, th- I think that it should probably be like below 20 if they if they really want to win this game. And if the Lions win, I, if the Lions win, I think it's it's 17 to 13, 17 16, something like that, right? Uh, if the if the if the Niners win and and and, and you know do what they're going to do against this Detroit secondary, it could be something like 37 to six. Okay, like it could be it could be really ugly for the Lions. But I think the 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 Lions are built to exploit this, this 49ers defense, this, this rush defense, I believe I was screaming from the, uh, from the treetops last week. I was saying they can be had Aaron Jones can have a big game here. And man, Aaron Jones was fantastic. Huge gains all over the place. Super efficient. The Packers rush EPA was, was way, way higher than it has been this season against these Niners. And it's because it's because these guys are not defending the run. They're not reading all that. They're trying to get to the quarterback. They want their sacks. They want their sacks, and that's fine. That's fine. But it, but Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery, I think, can both get home. You want to talk about getting different in your lineup? You throw both of them, both of them. in your lineup. What about Craig Reynolds too? Just all three of them. Yeah, you might as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like the Lions. They have to basically shot for shot remake about the Packers starting the game. I think the Packers had to settle for a field goal on their opening drive. Was it a field goal or a touchdown? It was a field goal. But they scored. They held the 49ers to a field goal in their scripted opening drive, I believe. Uh, it's going to be one of the games where the, the opening drives are always very important. Uh, the, the Lions have to establish an immediate yeah. lead. And they have to, you, they cannot, if they allow the 49ers to front run. Yeah, I mean, just Jared Goff is not going to come back. No, no, and so so uh, the Lions, like like most smart offenses, and obviously Ben Johnson is very smart, uh, attack the middle of the field at a high rate, one of the highest in the league. Uh, the Niners defend middle of the middle of the field passes. Moff, the kids are calling it Moff passes, Moff, yeah, Moff. Be- better than almost anybody. Okay, so the Moff is not going to be open for our guy Jared. They're, so they're, they're going to have to establish it. Oh, please don't ever say that again, Moff. Uh, Kyle, uh, 49ers, X-Factor, DFS option, things of that nature. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> George Kittle, I mean, it's not a surprising George. one, but I do think even if Debo is limited, we're going to need to see more of George Kittle. And that's because that's what they've done when he is previously, Debo has previously missed time. This is from John Daigle. You, you may remember John Daigle, our former colleague. In the six full games without Debo Samuel and George Kittle's career, George Kittle has a 25% target share, 90 yards per game, 26% targets per route run, an elite 3.3 yards per route run, over 20 fantasy points per start. He is a superstar when, I mean, it's not surprising, when they have to give him the ball more, he crushes. The only qualm we've ever had with Kittle's game is like, they got a lot of mouths to feed. Sometimes he just catches two passes. But even with those two passes, sometimes it goes for 80 yards and a touchdown. The problem for him has never been a lack of talent. It's simply that they run the ball a lot and they have a lot of guys who deserve to get the ball. When that tree narrows to force him into the action more often, he you see that he is pound for pound one of the most, probably one of the two most talented tight ends in the NFL. Absolutely. He needs eight to ten targets. I don't really care who's on the team. Like it, Their usage of George Kittle has been criminal. I, like, I, I agree. And I, he's going to be a Hall of Famer, I, I, I would say. But 
like statistically, it could have been off the charts. And it and could have, you know, been, he, could have been special. Really, truly, like like it could it could have been like a Gronk situation. The um, second he, every time he gets like more than six targets, he gets like 167 yards. Mm-hmm. Like it's totally he, nuts. He doesn't. Uh, I actually you mentioned Kevin Clark earlier. He's getting a second shout out on the show. Wow. Uh, I heard him say that the. Uh, that the Niners coaches like have like really taught these guys to not go out of bounds and like just to keep running. And at first the the guys like Kittle and Debo were like, oh, I don't know if that's gonna work. But it turns out it works because guys are just falling off of Kittle as he's running down the field every time he catches a ball. Yeah. That makes so much like what if we actually made the other team tackle us? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, maybe other teams should look into that. Especially uh, yeah. when Kittle, I mean, both of them are like incredible yak guys. It's not like like Tyler Lockett falls down after he catches the ball all the time because like, yeah, he's small and like he's going to get hurt. Like, yeah, Debo is a, is a butcher knives level runner after the catch. And Kittle is one of the best athletes bar none in the NFL. Like you should those guys should be making the other team tackle them, test them every time. I guess they do both get hurt a lot too. Debo also, that is true. But, uh, yeah, quite an innovation. Uh, yeah, make them tackle you. Uh, instead of Debo, Debo is is maybe like the the guy I think of when I think of a guy who I cringe when he gets tackled anywhere on the field. Like I'm like, ah, is he going to get up? I don't know. I don't know. And last week he didn't get up on the first three times he was tackled. No, and then the, the job was finally finished. And man, it'd be crazy if he plays. But yeah, I'd say agree with Kyle. The limited practice suggests he's going to play. Uh, Denny, the Lions were where where. Were where you got accused of not being sick enough a few weeks ago with the X Factor and the DFS stuff. Uh, what do you got for us for the championship round? I get I don't know. The kids are calling him JMO. Okay, maybe 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 it's Jamo. I'm not I'm not totally. I say I say JMO. I say so. Yeah, Jameson Williams. He you know he's running a decent route rate. I have it somewhere in my article and I can't find it right now. But it's yeah, in, in, in two postseason games, it's around seventy percent, I believe. Uh, it's nothing compared to Josh Reynolds. It was at 88%. Uh, I'm going to get, I'm going to get disgusting with Josh Reynolds. Um, I mean, like I'm going to have him in every line. Um, man, you basically, and, and, but there, but there's really nobody else. Like you can't like this Detroit offense is pretty condensed. Um, I do think, I do think Amon Ra is a fade. Ooh, this is a hard game to get sick in. You're absolutely right. The 49ers, like there's, you're playing Juwan Jennings. Guess what? Uh, you're not winning today. It doesn't even in a, a two-team slate. You're not winning. Yeah, you're the two, Juwan the Jennings. two, the two game slate is really, really tough to get weird. Even like in a single game slate, I'd say you're not winning if you're playing Juwan Jennings. Like it's just not happening. Maybe. I mean, Ravens are, are bar none the best team to get weird with because they yeah. do actually run their receiver core relatively. Nelson Aguilar. Dude, that's like that was gonna be my example. Is they like <laughs> Nelson Aguilar, Rashad Bateman, like those could be the guys who spike for one touchdown, whereas like there isn't a fourth receiver on the Lions. Like it's Donovan Peoples Jones running three to five routes, if that, or it's it's Brock Wright, who now that we know Sam Laporte is healthy, doesn't really play very much. He's out there to block. So I think I think the Ravens are easily the best team to like. If you don't know their name, oh, they play on the Ravens. That's actually not a bad DFS play. Uh, oh, I, I, okay, all right. You went sick. I'll give you sick. Okay. Right. If Cleef Raymond can suit up for this game, folks, we're playing him. Yeah, you know that's a that's a real good one. Uh, he's going to run twelve routes, and on one of those, he's going to catch them. I'm looking at the division round box score. Uh, Chris Conley. Do you guys know what team he's on? He called the Niners. 
Got to pass in the division around. Yes, he plays for the 49ers. Amazing, amazing appearance. I I was shocked. Ray Ray McLeod caught a pass? Was this like a fake punt or something? (laughs) (laughs) Ray Ray McLeod was in the game. Yeah, the aforementioned one carry for negative one yards for Jawan Jennings. Uh, Yeah, there's just nowhere to get weird with these two 49ers and Lions teams, but... Ravens, I totally agree with you guys. That's where the the weirdness. Denny, who DPJ on the Lions? Like that just didn't happen. No, no. <laughs> it, it, like Kyle said, I mean, you like if he gets three routes here, especially because you know teams get super serious about their playing time at this time of year. Obviously, for good reason because they want to win. DPJ is not going to see the field. No. <laughs> what happened to that guy? It started so promising. Uh, I mean, he got away with it bigly. He did get away with it. I guess you can't get away with it forever. You can't keep the podcast going forever. It is over today. Check out the funnel report. Check out all the blurbs. Kyle and I were writing stuff. It's just not on the site right now. I actually have something that came out uh, yesterday or two days ago. uh, Review of the rookie running back. (laughs) Wow. Hell yeah. That's a really good one. It's a two-parter. The second part's out uh, probably by the time you're listening to this. It'll be tomorrow. Yeah, it was a good read, Kyle. I like that one. I'm trying to finish my seasons and review article and I need to name it something more clicky. If you have a more clickbaity type, uh, it's like an you'll end be, of season recap. You'll be done with by that, with that by April. I know. <laughs> Someone can like a more clickbaity title for that. Uh, please tweet it at me. I, I need people to click it. I know Denny, it's, it's already gone like a uh, masterpiece mode. And oh I'm, no. I'm oh, you that. never go masterpiece mode. I'm not going to have it done before the Super Bowl. I don't think. Um, no, <laughs> no I'll, we'll see. We'll see. Super Bowl's so long from now. It's actually not. Well, Denny and I, I don't know if you heard, we're going. It's and, two weeks from now, man. Uh, it's like, we're down to like 10 days. It's 10 days. Oh, There's zero way it's 10 days. <laughs> a week and a half. No, no, for Radio Row, folks. Radio oh, oh, that you have to go. I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We got to go. By the way, Joe Thune is, per Adam Schefter, unlikely to play. I guess. Yeah, we'll yeah. We'll it's, a, it's a messed up peck. I believe we'll see what horsey, horsey medicine thing. No, I, I mean, I didn't know it. I didn't, I hadn't seen that report. So that's, yeah. yeah. Just remember that folks, when you're making your lines, remember that, remember to listen when we return next week, remember to keep it locked on rotoworld.com for Kyle, for Denny. I'm Pat. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back later. Jake from state farm here, hanging out with Mel's Mo and grow. Mel chose state farm for small business insurance because his local agent is a small business owner too. So she knew how to help him personalize his policies. And now he's rolling in the green. Like a like a good neighbor. Guys, I'm trying to do the line. Oh, sorry, Jake. It's all good. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to an agent today. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.